Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. God has given us great and precious promises. But sometimes they seem so distant and we feel defeated. Today we're going to look at how we can guard ourselves against defeat. Part one of Cheryl's message titled, The Cause, Cost, and Cure for Defeat. God is committed to getting us into the promises. But sometimes as Christians, we feel like we're never going to get to those promises. They seem to be at such a distance. And I would call that defeat. Have you ever felt defeated as a Christian? Have you ever felt like you were losing the battle against your own nature? Like you're, I am not going to lose my temper no matter what. And you lose it. And you're like, no. Or I'm going to be nice to everybody I meet. And then you only meet mean people all day long. (laughs) Or you're like, I I don't want to be so angry. Why am I so uptight? I want to relax. I want to breathe. I want to just accept circumstances as they come. Or I'm, I'm going to resist that temptation. I'm going to be so strong. I, I'm going to resist the cease candy. I'm not going to have sugar. I'm not going to have chocolate. I'm not going to have fats. I, I'm going to resist. And we all know how long that lasts. Then have you ever felt defeated against the devil? You feel like you're beaten up. All the time you're under it, not over it like, huh. He's so strong. He's just mean and he's after me. I remember talking to this missionary and her favorite phrase was, I'm just so slammed. I'm just getting slammed. I'm slammed by everybody. You know, and then you're, you're talking to her and she comes back. She's like, were you trying to slam me? Not me too. But you get that, that the devil, I don't have any power against him. He's just, you know, after me. And you find yourself always fleeing, trying to fight, but fleeing depression and discouragement. And it doesn't seem to be letting up. It's just like right there, ready to take you over. That's defeat. That's defeat. Or the world. Ever find yourself feeling that you're losing the battle against the world? Everything seems to be going wrong in your life. You feel the constant pressure of the world to conform and you're not making any spiritual progress. You feel defeated in your spiritual life with God. You feel like, why should I even pray? You don't answer my prayers. Do you even hear the words I'm praying? I mean, am I just praying the wrong way or what? I I remember a time of spiritual defeat in my own life that I felt like God was going to do the opposite of whatever I prayed. So I tried reverse psychology on God. It didn't work. 
or your Bible study time just seems so tedious. Instead of, oh, I'm going to come to the word and God's going to speak to me. It's like, I need to read the word. How many verses do I have to read today? And how long is this going to take? I mean, I do have a life. And in the Bible study, it just seems so tedious, so dry. You're doing it because you're supposed to. And you have to, but not because you want to. Fellowship is so dry. It's, it's just like, why are you bothering? And these people just yak, 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 yak. You know, fine, I once felt that way. Yak, 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 yak. And you're not enjoying people. You're not enjoying the story of people or the work of God in their lives. It's just dry. And going to church is so arduous. It's so hard. I mean, you have to get dressed. And you have to put makeup on. And some of you, like me, we have to put our eyebrows on. That's crazy. But it just seems like it's so much work. And how long is this sermon going to be? I told them to keep it short. Because I know him. My dad loved to tell this story of um, one of my siblings really didn't want to go to church at all that night. And my dad said, don't worry, I'm keeping it short. We're showing a movie tonight. You like movies. You like movies, right? So the sibling sat on the first row. And my dad got up and kind of was overcome by the spirit. Did a little bit of preaching. And all of a sudden from the first row, I thought you weren't going to preach tonight. But you know, we could, that's spiritual defeat. When those things that used to take so much pleasure in seem like they're taking so long and they're burdensome, that's spiritual defeat. And there are causes for spiritual defeat. The first cause is sin. When we're holding on to something that God has prohibited, And we hold this thing and we even hide it thinking that nobody will know, nobody will see. It can be physical. It can be something in our possession that we shouldn't have and we know we shouldn't have it. It could be a stolen article, like you really need to return it. You need to take it back. Years ago, I went shopping. I was going on a trip. I had my toddlers with me. And I was looking at the toothpaste because I wanted to buy some travel toothpaste. And we were at a drugstore and we got back, it was Savon's, but Savon's is no more. So I don't even know why I'm saying it, but Savon. And we got back to the church and I said to Brian, oh no, I forgot the toothpaste. And my little son, Char, says, not to worry. And he opens up his backpack and it's filled with all the sample toothpaste. We felt like we had the accursed thing. We're like, oh, what do we do? Have you take your son back to the store? I actually talked to our assistant pastor into doing it for me. And confessing, you know, I have a thief for a son. He steals toothpaste, but he's only three. Hey, it could be worse. But, you know, it can be something that we've taken that we're holding on to physically. A sin that we practice and we think, well, You know, I'm doing so good in the rest of my life. I'm only practicing this little sin. 
I'm only letting lying or, or anger or hatred or bitterness. It, it's only got one part of my heart, but the rest is Jesus. It can be a place of disobedience where we're saying to God, not your will be done, but my will be done just in this area. It's a place where we're saying no to God. It can be spiritual, which can be an attitude, a place in our heart that's not fully submitted to God, a holdout place. It can be an affection um, for an old boyfriend, a thought we entertain, a fantasy that we keep going back to that's not edifying, that's not good. It can be thoughts lodged in our heart about things that are prohibited by God. And it can even be a place of unbelief. So sin, sin will cause us defeat, to be defeated spiritually. But then there's a second one. And the second one is just as dangerous, and it's presumption. It's when we get ahead of God. And presumption happens when we do not seek God's plans or heart in all our ways. We kind of tend to think, I got this one covered. I know what I'm doing now. God, thanks for the help in the past, but now I know my way. I see what I'm supposed to do. I'm ready to go forward. And too easily we go rogue without realizing it. I tend to walk fast and Brian tends to walk slow. And I can't even tell you all the places where I have gotten lost because I walk so fast and so far in front of Brian. I get an objective and I get single focused and I'm going to get to that objective and I'm going to get there 10 minutes early because I want, I'm going to get there. And Brian sees the objective and he just kind of looks at it. He loves it. He just starts kind of walking towards it. And then he'll talk to somebody. Yeah, I'm going to this objective. Maybe you want to come. He invites people. And I'm like, stop talking. Get to the objective. Let's go, go, go. In fact, sometimes he'll want to hold my hand. And I'm like, no, you're just holding me back. This isn't romantic. This is restraint. I'll never forget we were, we were in Victoria Station. And we had to catch a train. And Brian said to me, go, go, go. He never says, go, go, go. I know we're late. I grabbed Kelsey and Braden, they were four and six at the time. I grabbed their hands and I went running. I jumped on the train and they looked at me and they said, where is daddy? And I said, he's here. He's just in another car of this train, but we'll see him any second. And we waited. First stop, second stop, third stop, fourth stop. No daddy. Then we got out and I realized that I was stuck at that train station because I didn't have our tickets. Brian had them which he does to kind of restrain me. He had our tickets. So I'm stuck there. I can't take a bus. I don't have the key to the place we're staying. So we're waiting on this bench in this very dark, not a very safe place. We're sitting on this bench and across the um, train tracks, there's some people, and I won't even describe them, but they're drinking something out of paper bags. That's all I know. Uh, It's a little scary. And so I'm like, let's sing a song. Jesus loves me this high. You know, we're singing, the three of us cuddle together. Two trains go by. Brian's not on them. But the third train, 
These guys come running out. They jump over our train. They're screaming obscenities. They, I mean, they jump over the bench. They literally jump over the bench where I'm cuddled with my children. And then they get to the stairs. They start screaming obscenities at the crowd. They run back in it. And then the crowd parts and these guys go running away. And there's Brian standing like an angel of God. And my other kids are with him. And I'm like, what just happened? He said, oh, those thugs tried to beat up this guy in this train. And I defended the guy and said, you're going to have to take me down if you're going to get to this guy. And I forgot this part. The people around him in England are applauding my husband. I'm like, what in the world? You ditched me and you get applause? You know, you get the glory of God and I'm here fighting off the devil. Like, don't you dare touch me or my children. We're singing, Jesus loves me. But presumption, I get so far ahead and I can just think, I've got this, I know. And when we get ahead of God, we find ourselves alone against the enemy and without any cover. We attack because that is what others do. We use carnal methods and don't seek God's way. We can so easily, you know, you have people that say, well, what are you doing about this situation? What are you doing? And if you say, well, I'm seeking God, they're like, hmm, is that like be warmed and filled? No, you cannot do anything till you first seek the Lord. The world attacks. The world just goes for the goal. But we, as the people of God, we do not presume We make sure that the presence of the Lord is with us. We seek the Lord in all our ways. And we do not lean on our own understanding or our past experience. We seek the Lord. Finally, number three, we underestimate the enemy. This is another reason for defeat. This is a grave mistake. I have heard so many people who think they are smarter than sin and the devil. Like, I'm just going to sit a little bit. It's not going to do anything. You know, I had this man on a plane tell me that pot was not a gateway drug. And I said, well, maybe not to you. But I know this person and that person and this person and that person. It was the gateway. Even if it's legal, it was the gateway to addiction to affliction. It was the gateway. But I have heard people think that they can dabble just a little bit with sin and not get in, not get addicted and not have any repercussions. But the Bible tells us that sin seduces us. It acts harmless. It acts like it's just this little city, just this little problem, and it can easily be overtaken anytime you want. But Jesus said, as recorded in John 8, 34, most assuredly or without a doubt, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Sin seduces that it might enslave. Romans 6, 16, Paul said, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. And then Romans 3.23, 
tells us that the wages of sin, the cost of sin, is ultimately death. Too often when Christians are defeated, rather than looking at the cause, the cause that might be in their hearts, what are you hiding in your heart, in their actions? They blame God. Like, God, where are you? Why didn't you help me? And this is such a typical scenario. And it is played out in living colors right here in Joshua 7. Now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that these things that happened, happened to the Israelites as examples for us. And they were written to warn us that we wouldn't fall prey to the things that defeated them. So Joshua 7, right away, in these first four verses, reveals to us the cause for defeat. But as we continue in Joshua chapter 7, we see the cost of defeat. But, hallelujah, we see the cure for defeat. The cause of defeat, Joshua 7, 1, 4. These are exactly what we talked about before. I love the way the Bible opens with the problem. And and it just tells you, like, here's the problem, and now you're going to be able to look for it, and you're going to be able to see it. You know, we know from verse 1, Achan took of the cursed thing, and it was causing problems for everybody. But now it plays it out for us. That's a very Hebraic way of recording or communication. For instance, Genesis chapter one, you have the creation. And then in Genesis chapter two, you have the detail of the creation. So you have that throughout the Bible. It'll often tell you the end story, the scenario, and then the next chapter will bring out the details. So here in verse one, we have the very, the first cause. It's because somebody has taken of the accursed thing. The children of Israel committed a trespass. A trespass is a direct violation against God's word. They went against the word of the Lord. The word here for trespass is the word ma'al, or uh, we get it like malicious, malintent. It has to do with a treacherous act. They took the cursed thing. They held things that were cursed. The curse was on the very items that they took. God said, these items are cursed. They're cursed. It's the items themselves that bear the curse. And as long as they held those items, they were also cursed. The Bible tells us that sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14, 30. And even though the children of Israel were unaware, the sin was still there. And the repercussions of that sin were still occurring. The curse was in the camp of Israel. God saw it and he could not bless Israel. He could not prosper Israel. He couldn't bring Israel into the promised land as long as the curse remained in the camp and on the camp. 
Again, it was a direct violation of God's word to Israel. They had been commanded. They had been warned. Joshua 6.18, and you by all means keep yourselves from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But Achan, this man Achan, thought he could ignore God's command, ignore God's warning, and still enrich his life at no cost to himself, no cost to his family, and no cost to the nation of Israel. The second cause This was not Achan's, but this was on Joshua and the leaders of the people. And it's presumption. And we see it in verses 2 and 3. Joshua sends spies to assess the strength and size of the enemy. This is a danger to judge the enemy by our seeming strength. Oh, I've got this one. I'm strong enough for this one. Have you ever done that? I'm strong enough to take this sin. I'm strong enough to defeat this. I can do this one for God. The spies came back to report that AI would only require about two to 3,000 men and not the whole camp of Israel. We've looked at it. It's nothing compared to Jericho. I mean, Jericho was big. It was strong. We needed God on that one. But this one, we can do it for God. That's presumption. Joshua relied on the word of the spies rather than seeking the word of the Lord. In Joshua 5, because Joshua felt overwhelmed by Jericho, he was seeking the Lord and he's walking and the commander of the Lord's army appears to him and says, follow me. Remember, Joshua says, are you for us or are you for your enemy? And the commander of the Lord's army says, no, but I've come as the commander of the Lord's army to lead you into all the promises. This is the way into the promises by following the commander. But now they're saying, we don't need the commander. We just need like two to 3,000 men and we've got this taken care of. But God has the plan for victory. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. The victory is by following, not by leading, but by following, by seeking out the plan of God and getting into the plan. You know, prayer, we often think of prayer as getting our will accomplished as, all right, God, this is what I want. Now follow me. But you know what prayer is? Prayer is opening our eyes to the commander and bringing us into the plans and purposes of God. It's that alignment of getting us behind the Lord. But this is presumption. And there is a pride in presumption because we think we know what we're doing. Joshua thought he knew what he was supposed to do. The spies thought they knew what they were supposed to do. We just attack, we take it down, we take the strongest men, we got this. This is a big, big cause of defeat when we judge by sight and not by prayer. When we do not seek the leading of the Lord, 
and we forget or neglect to even ask for his plan, for his ways. It just looks so easy. We think we can take it. We can do it. Maybe you had what looked like an easy child. Like this one's my good one. This one's my gold one. Now I need help with these other three, but this one I got. This one, I've obviously done it right. And then that child hits 14 and all hell breaks loose. There are so many things that come against us as we pursue the promises of God. The devil is out to discourage us and the pressures of the world never seem to let up. This can cause us to have a mindset of defeat. We may think God is far away and not answering our prayers and feel like everything we try to do turns against us. But we can guard ourselves against the trap of spiritual defeat by being aware of its causes, as we saw in Joshua 7, which are sin, presumption, and underestimating the enemy. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at spiritual defeat as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.